You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. All right, so we're doing something a little bit different here today. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Justin Meyer, Dr. Justin Meyer. Justin's been on the show before in the past, and we are going to be having an interview, but this time... We're flipping the tables. The tables will be turned, and Justin is going to be interviewing me. Usually, you guys hear me interviewing someone else. So today, Justin, I'm going to give you the mic. You take it over, man. I'm just I'm in the guest chair. Well, I hope we we do this well, and I I give this justice. Uh, I I think maybe I'm a unique person to get to to do this in the sense that. Uh, Unlike most of the people you've interviewed, I know not all, but most of the people that you've interviewed, you just know uh, outside of life, like not super personal. Mm -hmm. Like you and I have shared cigars together. You and I have shared bourbon together and hotel rooms. We've done the whole thing. Hotel rooms, (laughs) right? I was going to get there, but I didn't, you know, so uh, I... I, I have literally, you know, I, I actually recently listened to your interview of David Hayward, the the naked pastor, mm-hmm. and you, you joked about he's truly the naked pastor. Well, I've probably seen you closer to naked than anyone else. That's true. That's true. That's true. I think we, we've, I've, I've, I've also seen, I've, I've hung out with you in Tidy Waddies before, so I think that that, yeah. that, that's, that counts as brothers, brotherhood right that's there. That's right. Yeah. So, so hopefully we can we can dig down a little deeper and have some fun in this. Yeah, so. absolutely. Go for it. I'm game. Shoot away. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a softball one first, of Ooh. course, but okay. uh, let's, let's talk about your story and your journey, right? Like uh, when I met in denominational ministry, but you have stories even before then, like mm-hmm. you were raised a Southern Baptist and now let's, this is more your church. This show is more of your faith community, I'd say, even more than a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you haven't been to an institutional church for a very long time. So let's let's hear about all the details in between. <laughs> okay, so where do we go from like me as a child until now? Uh, is that what you're going for? No, 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 well, just give us a little bit of background, like background. try to make okay. it a little concise. No, like, no, yeah. I think that like, uh, yeah, I've bounced around um, but one of the formative things for me, and I've probably mentioned this before on the show too, was uh, I was raised Southern Baptist, and when I was three years old, my my sister was born, um, who was severely developmentally impaired, and and this like sent uh, my parents into two like weird places, to where like my dad just like kept working hard and kind of ignoring it and just working hard, and then my mom was like, well, we're gonna somehow go to charismatic tent revival meetings and everything. We're gonna heal my sister. We're gonna just do that. So I was like. I was being pulled between two different areas, even in the same household that we were living in. And it, it, for me, it, there's always been God and then there's been church. Yeah. And, and for me, it was always, and even especially when you have like, when you have a special needs person in your family, it all, you're always the weird family kind of, 
you know, yep. people look at you differently. People treat you a little differently. So for, for many different reasons, I kind of always grew up, even though like my dad was always heavily involved, we were always heavily involved, but it always felt like I was the outsider, even though I was kind of an insider in the situation. Um, most of my formative experiences, I think, had to do more with, with me experiencing God in like times of crisis or other things, uh, mm -hmm. more so than I, I remember experiencing God on a Sunday morning. Um, I, I never wanted to be a pastor, but uh, graduated college, wanted to, to work in TV and film. And after doing it for about a year, uh, I was teaching Sunday school, too, on, um, and just really felt God talking me to do something more. Um, and so... Yeah. Now, did you ever have like a Benny Hinn experience with your sister? Like your, your, yes. you talk about your mom, like going, like uh, let the bodies hit the floor type uh, thing? Or, uh, Oral Roberts. Um, uh, we, I remember this one and it was, my mom had drug, uh, and I also grew up, I had like, I had asthma pretty bad when I was a kid. So uh, I think my, they had, they had started forming a line to do like the, the walk up to stage, push you over thing. And, and as in the nature of my mom, she never explains anything to me. So I think that's <laughs> had to lead me to be more perceptive in life just because I was always being thrown to the wolves. And she's just like, here, go stand here. And I'm like, I, I'm probably like, I want to I think like I'm probably somewhere between like, like eight or nine. And, um, and I don't even know what's happening. So I'm like this kid in a line of a bunch of adults. They keep getting closer. I, I'm getting a sense of what's going on in front of us here. And then eventually, like, I guess it's my turn. So they kind of pushed me out onto stage. Uh, and like they had on a card in my hand, like someone had written down that I have asthma. And so the guy like, oh, asthma in here. And he like, he pushed me. And then I didn't go down initially because you're supposed to fall. And so yeah. they kind of pushed me. And the guys that are supposed to catch you kind of pulled me down the second time. <laughs> And then, and then ushered me off. And then it was the kind of thing to where, like, I was like, I don't know what this was. This was weird. But everyone was saying it was a miracle. And I still have asthma on the ride home. Um, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah. I, so, I, yeah, so I went through those kind of things, too, where, um, or, or even being in situations where I mock a lot of stuff because I've been a part of a lot of stuff. That's, that's where right. the snarky comes from. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, I, yeah, I remember just, even being able to sniff out BS at a pretty early age, especially in a church setting, because if I was either with my dad and the conservative sides of the church or my mom and this Pentecostal side, you began to kind of see people all had needs. They all yeah. want something. And mm -hmm. it, was, it wasn't always just like, I want to know God. It was, they were always like posturing or wanting something. And I even remember like being in meetings where like, a, like the adults were speaking in tongues with each other and then, they're, then people trying to tell us how to do it. Um, yeah, like you know, Shama Lama Ding Dong, right? Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of stuff. We'll just repeat it and eventually you'll get it. And I'm just going to, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, none of this is, like, I was like, I always found God, in my mind, to not be illogical. And, and all of that stuff, for me, even me when I was young, I was like, this just is, is, doesn't even make sense. Um, and also then I, I tended to hate the church because uh, I think one time my mom came home from church and then made me throw out all my toys because He-Man he was from the devil. It was, I have one of those. Yeah. And this was like, I think this was like, like it was somewhere like in spring. And this was like, that was just like Christmas gifts. They were like, we have to get rid of him. Satan's in the house now. Castle Grayskull must go. And, and I just remember like, I don't even know why I want to. Yeah. And so it would just didn't even make sense. And it still doesn't to this day. Okay. So yeah, that's early childhood. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about college. Where does, where does my heartthrob Stuart fit in? The one who was on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Yes, for those that don't know, uh, no, I was I was technically on Dawson's Creek. I was. It's when I have a picture. Oh, I know, I know. I was technically on it. That's what I say. I had no like speaking lines. I was an extra, 
And it was, it was a friend and I were trying to do, we were trying to, this is back in like end of college. We, we started a production company um, out of college. And so we were trying to get like spec scripts out there. And so our whole idea was like, let's just go storm this. Let, let's just, we looked, we still looked young to like pass as, as extras on Dawson's Creek. Cause what, like high schoolers on TV are like 20 or 30 <laughs> half the time anyways. And yeah, we just hung out all day till they took us on as extras. And both of us, had been around production stuff before so we also knew that the people that scream at the extras are like just a, a rung higher on the totem pole than the extras and so i we just started ignoring those people and so trying to get in frame as much as possible um and so yes that did happen and one take i accidentally bumped one of the actors into the camera i was trying to get too close behind him <laughs> but yeah that was that was not much of a claim to fame but that that is out there if i can find it i will post which episode it is uh, you you know you notes. have to be one of the sexy people in the world if you were on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you were just an extra. It was, I was an extra. I was, but I, I, I think I looked better because I was blurry in the background. That was, that was like, that's why, <laughs> that's why I'm on radio now. Come on. Right, right. <laughs> You've grown into your face for radio. Very I have, good. I have. So, so what'd you do your undergrad work in and where at? Uh, I was University of Georgia. Um, I was journalism and mass communication with a focus on like TV and film production. Okay. So yeah. And uh, uh, what what was your college experience like? Were you involved in like parachurch ministry no. or ministry at all? No. Or? no, I was. I was. I was. I'm. I'm telling you, I should never have gone into ministry. I should have known this. And God, like, said, I'm like, come on, this doesn't make sense. No, I was the. Uh, I uh, once I got to like youth group age, like middle school, high school, like I just didn't go. Like my parents would sometimes drop me off and I would just go hang out somewhere else. Cause I just, it just felt like a bunch of phonies and I didn't like being around that kind of a stuff. Um, and then when I started dating my wife when I was 16, I knew to be able to date her. Now she was, I was not married at 16, but when we started dating, I knew for my parents to be okay, I was going to have to drag her to church with me. So, mm. so we started going to church and then we would teach Sunday school as like, as high schoolers to children because we didn't want to have to go and hang out. You don't want to deal with the BS of youth group. Did not. It, which eventually I became a youth pastor, which is ironic in itself. But um, that was years later. But yeah, yeah, I did that. Uh, college years weren't that particularly interesting. I was, I was always in such a hurry to grow up and get out. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I think I took my, I took my senior year of high school. I'm in, in college. So I finished. I, so I was really only at the university of Georgia for like two and a half years. Cause I went summers too. And I yeah. was just ready to get out and grow up and and just move on. Um, so so what the hell happened then? Like, <laughs> uh, you you go from shall and excuse me when I say this, mm -mm. but like a shallow perceptive faith, right? Yeah. Like you were a, a go through the motion faith, mm -hmm. uh, so you could please your parents. Yeah. Like into like, oh, I'm gonna go into ministry, like. I mean, I, I'd always, I'd always found God. I'd always found God very interesting. Um, okay. Uh, but it had never worked well. Like uh, I, when I was in like seventh grade, it was like the first time I had like a Sunday school teacher. He was an older guy that would talk about anything. And he was just, mm -hmm. he was honest and he was real. And I just, he was the first person that really like, it made sense to me um, mm -hmm. the way he would talk about it. And when they like moved us up, I was like, I would still go back to his class uh, eventually to where like they, they eventually said that was weird and I couldn't go there anymore. But I was like, I love sitting with him. I love like how he talks about the Bible. I loved like his teachings. And so for me, it was always very real. I just had a hard time seeing it inside the institution. Um, and so it wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't reading. It wasn't that I wasn't interested in it. I just knew that my parents at least taught me that there was a go through the motions version to at least mm -hmm. keep them happy. 
Um, but it wasn't that like, yeah, I, I mean, I would have religious conversations with the girl I was dating, you know, at the time, cause I would just find it interesting and just want to talk about it. But I never saw myself being a part of it. Cause I was like, I don't want any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's jump in. Yeah. Like you, you decide to be a youth pastor. Like, yeah. how's that work? Like it was, it was okay. So we, I, you, I had like this stereotypical, I feel like called in the ministry type stuff. Um, yeah. And I remember even telling my parents this, and they were like, you really don't want to do that. I, which is funny, because I remember them dragging me to church all the time, and this is what everything is about, and they're like, you'll never make any money. You don't want to do this. And so for me, it was always like, wait, 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 wait. I'm like really connected to this story of Jesus and wanting to go and do this, and you guys who told me this is important are like, mm, I don't know. Uh, that's not part of the American dream. And that may have also fueled me even more. Um, my first job when, when we did this, I actually just started by volunteering. It was at a church plant. I worked for a church plant for two years. Uh, mm-hmm. This is after I was married, too, um, for free. Um, my wife worked, and I worked there full time because we just felt like we needed to do this. We felt we were supposed to help these people. And uh, it was very formative, too, of going through the ins and outs and what not to do and, and a lot of things of that nature, which it was actually Southern Baptist Church plant that we were, I was working with. And once that plant which only was like funded for two years, lasted just a little longer. And I knew I just didn't want to go back. I knew I wanted to do something. So we just started saying whatever and sending out resumes anywhere in the country, kind of doing that holy God, wherever you want us to go, because we're young and dumb and, uh, and that, and that, so the, which I recommend for like most young people, yeah. right? Like yeah. you're resilient. So what, and not just like ministry. Well, I'm talking about, man, if you have a, a chance to go overseas, yes. right? Like, go jump on that crap real quick mm-hmm. because you'll never have another chance in your life to be crazy like this. So yes. I'm glad you were crazy. I, I was, but I did that. I was crazy also when we still had, we had like uh, two little ones at this point too, like yeah. into yeah. Okay. which makes it even crazier. So we get hired to this, uh, for the Pacific Northwest, I would say mega church. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the larger churches that was up there where we were at, um, big church, big showy stuff. They liked the fact that I worked for a church plant. They liked the fact that I had, had video and production background because I think they wanted to get like a two or three for one out of me. Um, yeah. Youth pastor plus this, plus this. Uh, so yeah, we, we got hired out to this church that was four square, but less crazy in my mind of what it was. Um, and for, for people yeah. who don't know, describe four square. Oh, four, just four square is like Pentecostal or charismatic light. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. really light, but it, it I, mean, I don't know. I, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, we're, we find ourselves across, like moving from Atlanta all the way to north of Seattle um, mm-hmm. uh, with two kids and a house that hasn't sold. And just, you know, we're in temporary housing for this. And it, I pretty much, I, I, I sniff out really, really soon on that this was a mistake. Um, okay. Part of it because we start figuring out that we were like, I think I was the seventh youth pastor like in eight years. Um, which they never told us uh, about that kind of stuff. And, and, I, and as we were there, we started doing, that's doing great work and the youth ministry grew, but it grew with the kids that they didn't like. Mm. And so it became a thing to where you can't have those kids here. They can't be hanging around. We don't like this one. Like the parents don't like these kids here. And so it was all these like kids that were not churchy kids, but they came because they liked what we were talking about. They liked the place to belong and all that stuff. And after probably, after months of just arguing, arguing for their, uh, with the senior pastor for the, for the right for them to be there. I, as being, I was like probably 27 at the time, also a genius, uh, really just started goading him into a corner going like, you know what? 
if you have a problem with this, just fire me. Because mm-hmm. um, I knew he didn't want to because it wouldn't look good because he'd flown me out and done all this stuff. And I kept goading him eventually over time into it. And then eventually I got my wish. Um, be careful what you wish for because it will happen. And, and that happens and we're like, oh, nice. What the hell do we do now? You know, type mm-hmm. of a situation which eventually led us into uh, being a, uh, in a parachurch organization, acting as a missionary, uh, working with the types of kids I liked, the kids that were on the streets, the foul mouth, at-risk type kids that are just realistic and honest. And uh, I was then I was a director over an area in Washington for a number of years, out there for, I don't know, nine years, I think. And then, uh, yeah, and Snapshot Seminary screwed me up even more. Because um, mm-hmm. working for an evangelistic organization, you keep pushing back on what? What do you mean? Like your guys' version of evangelism is really small and hollow. Like, you know, asking because I was on the leadership board at this time too, where you ask questions like, "Well, what? Like, you we're talking about the kingdom of God. What are we inviting them into? Like, what are mm-hmm. we? You know, are we just trying to get them to check a box?" And over time, I started to realize I was like, I thought I was trying to keep the ship right. You know, they kept trying to make it take it in this one direction. I was like, well, at least I'm here to push back. And then yeah. I, over time, I was like, no, I'm just a headache. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not being seen as, as, as an interesting person. I'm being seen as a headache. And yeah. then you begin to realize, okay, I feel like I've outgrown this tribe. And, you know, we, we did what, what I'd learned before. I did the right thing in exiting here and gave them uh, like six months to be able to replace me type of a thing. Because when you're in missionary work, you don't just raise money that fast. Um, right. And then we eventually hooked up with a church planting organization that sent us all the way out to North Carolina. And yeah. we have been, that's here. where, the, that's where you get involved in my life, right? Yes. yes. Around <laughs> that time we get involved in your life too. Yeah. So that would probably bring it. Yeah. Yeah. So ping pong b- bouncing around different denominations, different parachurch, different stuff, always looking for the right tribe or where it kind of made sense. Yeah. And then beginning to realize, wait, no, I, I don't not, I don't think I'm going to find it. Right. And, that, and that's okay. And that, yeah. What I find really interesting is we kind of get together then. I'd been in the tribe that we were both part of for a while, and you come in, and I have some weird denominational position that no one really knows what it is, <laughs> uh, but it allows us to hang out a lot, which was cool. Yeah. And so we we create this little network of friends. It's you and me and Travis and Andy. And then we have this guy named Chad, who's really probably one of my friends, but he's kind of yeah. part of this group. And then Jorge or George. And uh, and uh, and so, but now I look back and at our, our group, because we were all a pretty tight-knit group. Like we traveled a lot together. We had a lot of good time. Like, Four of us don't belong to the group anymore, uh, or out of all four of us who are gone now out of the tribe. I think I'm the only one like they excommunicated. Yeah. But, <laughs> and, and what's funny is you're a bigger heretic than I am. I am. I'm a way bigger one. It's no one pays attention to me. That's, that's part of the problem. But, so, uh, but no, it wasn't that. Some of us, I, I, I don't keep quiet. I just think that nobody's interested in what I'm doing here. Because if they were to listen to this, I would not be ordained anymore. So... <laughs> 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 yeah, they, it's just the farthest from their mind. So yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So you 
in in our relationship, you were a church planter. You yep. you planted Lumen Community, right? They in fact they used to be a sponsor of Snarky Faith yep. way back in the day. Yep. Or maybe that's just one way you marketed, but <laughs> give or take, right? Sure, sure. Uh, so how'd that go? What happened there? Uh, in fact, I made just so you know this mm-hmm. intern that's living with me now that I drug from Ohio to Missouri. Uh, I made him listen to like I don't know how many uh, snarky <laughs> oh, faith. Oh good. Uh, <laughs> like he started all the way back in 2016, uh, and you know has gone uh, just so he could help me formulate questions for you. But uh, <laughs> he's like, he was like, whatever happened to Lumen? They're not a sponsor anymore. <laughs> We were, so yeah, what happened? That's a good question. That's a good question. I, 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 I will have to probably send your intern a gift basket of sorries for having to listen to me that much. Um, what, no, what happened was I never, I, 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 I never wanted to plant like a, a, a traditional type of a church. And, yeah. and with the church planning organization that kept going like, cool. And then they would say good. And then they'd be like, well, why does it look like this? Because I've told you guys, we're not planning anything that's traditional. And so we started doing stuff, um, yeah, we would do like we did meetings in pubs and we did meetings in bars in the area and had discussion groups. We brought in we brought in Pete Rollins once uh, to come speak to the in, in Chapel Hill. Um, and so we would do a bunch of community work like that. But the more I did it, the less it looked like church and looked more like community. And even the denominational like they kept trying to push us to be like, well, it needs to be this or this or this or this. And I was like, no, 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 I've, 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 I've not. This is never from the start meant to be something. That was like right. that was that was regular and traditional. This is meant to be like church that doesn't even look like church. It's just people living and doing life together and having great spiritual conversations and hopefully growing together. Um, eventually, just for me, what happened is all these people are still our friends, and we still kind of do stuff together. And post pandemic, I mean, we're still going to kind of do random stuff in pubs here and there. But it's just, I I thought it was easier, and I thought it was. For the longest time, when people would ask about anything about church, it always would get back to we were wondering like when when someone's going to ask me for money, or what's my agenda, mm-hmm. or what's all of this. And so for me, the the most honest way I could be would be was to kill it, to be able to say, listen, there's no church, there's none of this. We're just people. We're hanging out. We're having these conversations, and we're doing life together. And so mm-hmm. I was able to honestly be able to get to a point where I was, I didn't have to defend the denomination. I didn't have to defend any of this other kind of stuff, but just to be able to say no. No, you, you can belong here. You can be here. And so even though like we, we dissolved it uh, as a business, I mean, we still operate with a lot of these people, which the funny thing was, Lumen, a lot of it were people that were ex-pastors and other people that, <laughs> that somehow matriculated our way, who are great friends now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then you went and served in an institutional church, right? <laughs> I did. I did to pay the bills for a while because it, the hard thing when you begin to to step away from vocation is figuring out how to pay the bills. Yeah. And and so I, for a while, I did. I stepped back in and worked with a United Methodist Church um, mm-hmm. that, how do I put this? Um, I was very, I'm, I've been in ministry long enough where I'm very upfront. I was like, I have a radio show. We talk about all this kind of stuff. Just no cards on the table. And everyone's like, cool, cool, cool. We're good. We're good. And like the senior pastor that was involved in the whole, like, it was like a network of churches. He was fine with it. Mm-hmm. He leaves. He wasn't my direct boss, but once he leaves, the story changed. Right. Uh, because in the, the United Methodist system, they have a placement system. Yep. Pastors get moved 
without choice every so often. So you you get a new director of the network put in yep. place by the UMC. And so he's the, like, I do, hate do, what you're doing. You cannot talk about Trump anymore. And this is this is back, this is 2015, maybe. It was, it was, it was, we were, when we were ramping up right before the election and stuff too. And I was, I was trying to hammer it as hard as possible because I was like, this Christianity has gone insane and we need to realize this is crazy and toxic and it's going to end horribly. It it did. And it's, but in a weird way, that's also been beautiful. I I think it's, I think Trump has been a beautiful gift to be able to show the rot within um, the church. I think it's been a great litmus test for the rot. Um, but yeah, so eventually they said either you either keep keep what you're doing here or or uh, and kill the radio show or keep the radio show and leave. And again, I was like, how long do you want me to hang around for until you guys get someone new? You know, that's that was that was the direct answer. I was like, totally fine. I, I don't I don't like being silenced because they were worried that no one in the church even knew about the radio show. I didn't tell people I wasn't like, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? No, no. So. In this time, you've been deconstructing. In this time, you become more and more frustrated uh, with with the institutional church. You you continue to hold up a mirror to Christianity to look at itself, uh, especially in you know Trumpism or whatever Trumpianity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you know it makes some people sick. And but yeah. but what are what are the resources that you read early on that helped you deconstruct? Like what are some of the things that were pivotal in you um, you changing your view? I, I think actually actually my, I probably started literally I probably started deconstructing when I first went to that uh, that large church in Washington. Um, I remember. Uh, I had my friend Joel Varner, who had been on a few episodes before, um, he works at Forge, um, Albany, um, in Oregon. And Joel was, he was, I was like the senior pastor, or not pastor, I was the director over senior ministries, and, and he was the junior high pastor. Um, but I remember we were, we were reading a lot of Mike Iaconelli back in the day, like old youth specialties. And I remember the first thing that it, he had done this, and I'll have to find this, but it was, he did, it was like 10 reasons uh, to get fired for the glory of God. And for those people that don't know Mike Iaconelli, he was, he was a really big influential voice in youth ministry back in the day. And, and they were all things that were like Jesus stuff. Like it was just, it was just start hanging around with these type of people, start doing all this. And so we were just like, uh, we were, it, was, it was a toxic situation that we were working in there. And so we, in our own like uh, just frustration said, let's just start living this out. Mm-hmm. And, and that did lead to conflict and problems and everything else like that too. But I, I think that started there. Um, so that was, yeah, my, yeah, Mike Iaconelli, I mean, a lot of Alan Hirsch, um, and, uh, Mike Frost, I know reading a lot of their stuff about even just looking at church's mission or missional work that began mm-hmm. to unpeel stuff for me. Seminary did a lot of work of just messing up how I read the Bible. Um, and I, I was a weird sycophant that I just loved it. Like I was, I remember being in classes where pastors' minds are like exploding, like when, you know, kind of going through like even Genesis, like just being able to read Genesis faithfully, which, which mm-hmm. really just rips it apart for what you'd been raised with. And I remember pe- pastors were just, their minds were exploding. And I was like, no, no, tell me more. Like, this doesn't scare me. This isn't destroying my faith. This is actually informing my faith more. So, I, you mm-hmm. know, tell me more about how this is deeper. Like, if, if this isn't literally true, cool. But tell me how, I, you know, what can I learn from this? And so it was a weird way of like beginning to even pull back those kind of things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Rollins was another one I know that has been a great one in my path. I've got to look around. Where's my books I have? Um, um, even, um, I can't think, Ragamuffin Gospel. Um, uh, Brent, uh, Manning. Brent, Brent Manning. Brendan yeah, Manning. Manning. Yeah, Brendan mm-hmm. Manning. Brendan uh, Manning was part of my process. Um, Henry Nowen, uh, Brother yeah. Lawrence. Um, you know, just going to being able to looking. It wasn't simply just deconstructing. I mean, I, I guess I had been deconstructing just a lot of church as institution, but really being able to look at what, like, if, like, let's boil this down. Let's synthesize what is all this really about. Because um, mm-hmm. I'd been around groups, especially like with, within Southern Baptist world, it's all just about head knowledge, memorization, mm-hmm. knowing this, knowing this, certainty, certainty, certainty. And, and I had always just seen that there was a whole problem with, you know, they, they could be great with orthodoxy, even though if I don't agree with a lot, some other orthodoxy, but orthopraxy was a totally different story. So it was all, it was all just, it was, I just found it being a mental game. And so a lot of these people, even like C.S. Lewis and stuff that began just to kind of have abstract thoughts about mm-hmm. faith. And, and, and it didn't mean they were, they were off the reservation. It didn't mean that they were wrong, but they were just having a lot of these abstract thoughts or looking at the scripture in different ways. Um, and Brian McLaren too. Um, I can't remember which one of his, but yeah, I, I remember just kind of blew my mind going through it where I was just like, oh, there's a different posture I can hold the Bible with and still be faithful. And this mm-hmm. is still okay. So, so that leads me to a question then. I, I think your viewers know this, uh, or viewers, your, your listeners know this, but uh, so you would still consider yourself a Jesus follower? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, would, I would say I absolutely follow after the ways and, and teachings of Jesus. I, I have a harder time. I, my problem right now is language. You know, I wish mm-hmm. like I wish there was a better word than Christian, and I hate saying Jesus follower too. But I mean, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, there's just language is limiting, um, oftentimes, and there's a lot of baggage and language surrounding the church right now that's hard to get away from. In in my little faith community, we just call it following the way of Jesus. Yeah, right, the yeah. way of Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, and there's still even baggage around that that stuff too. So, so tell me, what are what would you say some of your non-mainstream views might be like where do you land where people are like oh i don't know about that um outside of mainstream views i i think that i would say i think that american i could get in trouble i i i think american christianity and this is part of me being like growing up an outsider part of this is me working with kids from outside the church um and, and hearing their perspectives i don't understand worship anymore like 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 corporate worship i don't get it at all Okay. I, I, as as it stands now, I, I really don't like. Because for me, in my head, worship is more action. Like it's how mm-hmm. we're walking things out with God. Like I think that God's fine if we sing and we're happy, but I think that that's only like a tiny bit of what worship is. Yeah. You know, I feel like the, you know, it's it's like I, I I feel like I've been around so many like denominations that we can talk about the gospel till we're blue in the face to people. You can explain it, but unless until you start walking it out, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's a posture thing, right? Like yeah. the posture you approach your beliefs and and how that then plays out in your everyday life. That's good. That, that's really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I, yeah, I, 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 I remember them. I remember having a kid once that was uh, we would. I, it was a kid that that she had not gone to church before, and I loved her perspective. And she was just like, she's like, this is like it was just during a service. She's like, this feels like a cult, and I was like, why? She's like, because people stand up and sit down, and no one says anything. Like they just know. Like everyone's just trained to do this. And this guy just starts doing this. And she was like, that's just weird. And I was like, you're right. 
you're absolutely right. Like, there's never explaining of what we're going to do, why we're going to do it. It just, we do it, because that's the production. And it, it doesn't mean that I don't like music. I don't like most Christian music. I'm not saying there's not good Christian music, but I have a dicey relationship right. with pop Christian music. But um, I, don't, I don't fully get it. And, and another thing I've been, I've been wrestling with is what is prayer lately? Um, mm-hmm. And I've been, re- and, and my ideas of, and this is just, it's off the cuff, really, but it's, I, I've been, I've been moving more towards this idea that I, I feel like we've seen prayer for the longest time as an abstraction. Like we're just, we're volleying things to God. But the more I, I see prayer is again, it's, I feel like it's kind of like a Trinitarian view of things. Like it's, you're connecting God, me, and whoever I'm praying for, meaning mm-hmm. that I need to somehow show up a bit too. Mm-hmm. You know, too often, like, well, we'll pray for something. Well, you go do that. Like, Someone needs a new roof. Well, then go do it. Don't pray for it. Don't ask God to make this happen. Can you make it happen? And so I, I, I see in many ways that I think like oftentimes G, like the answer is just show up <laughs> as opposed to like wasting time praying to God. Now, I understand there's things like sickness. I'm not going to go and heal a person like that. But I'm saying is, I don't know. I, I just can't pay for someone's medicine. Or Yeah, that's true. Yes. And so I think that if we feel that conviction, yes, you step in and do this. You get involved into it. There's skin in the game. And I feel mm-hmm. like God wants there to be skin in the game. And I think that when we when we have prayer as just this isolated, far away thing, I don't know. No, I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, and that's not saying like there's there's prayers, meditation, and things like that too. That that's that's I feel like is different. But yeah, right. Well, and I I think I don't call it American Christianity because I have some appreciation uh, appreciation of American Christianity because mm-hmm. I think that's a historical perspective. I I call what we got now American. America Christianity. That's right. America. And that is all about this magic genie in the bottle, you know, like, uh, and, you know, I, I, I wrestle with ideas like, okay, I, I pray for people to be healed. I do. And I still pray, but I wrestle with why do I think God is going to answer that prayer singularly but when literally millions upon millions, if not billions of people across the world are praying for like the pandemic to go away yeah. and that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like I'm living in and and so I don't want to say I'm a complete like open theist or anything like that. But but I have been I'm with you. I'm really wrestling about this this idea about prayer. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I'm trying to understand it more in relationship, right? Because yeah. as, as people of the way of Jesus, there is so much more in the way of Jesus than, than just getting my ticket out of hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would say if that's how we're getting people to become followers of Jesus, then we don't know Jesus. Like, yeah. there, there's so much more beyond that. That's the last thing, if you believe in hell even that that's the last thing you should be talking about. So I'm, oh, if you want I'm, to get into that, which, which I'm, I've, I've been matriculating to that area that I don't think hell exists. Okay. Well, that's another one okay. too, if you want to throw there. So. Okay. So, so, so <laughs> what's that, your, view I'm in process. Then? I'm in process with that. Okay. Yeah. So like I land kind of like in the, in the gray area between universal reconciliationism and, and, uh, uh annihilationism, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think a God, a good God would ever make anyone suffer for eternity, like a good and loving God, like people who have that ideology, like we throw those people in jail today. Yeah. Uh, So like on earth and maybe, maybe our view of God being that way causes a lot of people to act that way. That's a, that's a whole different topic. Uh, 
but so where are you? Yeah, like because those are not mainstream thoughts, right? No, no, I'm I, a- I, 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 I like you're saying, like, I think I vacillate between a lot of these because I know that, like, my, my parents were weird and dysfunctional, but but I was able to mine certain things out of them that 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 were positive. And I remember, like, my father, who's always been like a chairman of the deacons and a uh, Sunday school teacher, very faithful, very good Southern Baptist, and really, really has a deep appreciation for scripture, but, uh, and, but he also has a deep appreciation for nature. And I remember he, one thing that he always had an issue with in his head, and I remember him just saying this off the cuff a few times was, and he really wrestled through this. He was like, I really think Native Americans are going to be in heaven. And this is something I remember him telling me as a kid. He said, because they had such a reverence for, for creation and the creator and all of this. And so it was, it was something in his head, in his Southern Baptist mind, that like, I, in his mind, it, it was almost like they were like children. Like, and, you know, because before the age of accountability, which mm-hmm. doesn't really exist. I don't know. It's a thing we kind of, yeah. But, but in his mind, it was like that. And I remember him, that kind of at least planted some gray in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there's more. There's more than we see. Um, and, and I will tell you, I feel like I have had people that have been more Christ to me, have been more kind to me, that, that were of different faiths or of no faiths as well, too. Like, where I was able to see God absolutely in them or they were able to give words of healing to me that yeah and so i i i don't know i I just think that i think that we oftentimes run around looking our metrics are all messed up how's that (laughs) our metrics for what matters mess up are all oh yeah One, one of my favorite experiences in institutional ministry was i was planting a church and the only place we could find to meet uh, was a cooperative building with some anarchists, and and uh, they're like, you're not going to be assholes, right? And I was like, right. And they're like, we're good then, because you like to help people, like <laughs> you, know, you know, like I was in a community with literally hundreds of churches who would not even let us rent mm-hmm. space because they viewed it as competition. But here, I'm meeting like and. And, you know, anarchists come in all shapes and form, but atheist agnostic primarily, some people of faith uh, in different ways, spiritualism and stuff. And here they are being so welcoming and, you know, and and they're not even actually making us rent the building. They're just like, if you could help out every once in a while. And I was just like, hell, you're more Jesus to us than the people who actually claim to follow Jesus. So, yeah, I, I get that completely. Mm-hmm. So let's transition a little bit then. So you, you, you do function in some of the fr- fringes theologically, uh, which allows you to be more loving, sure. uh, allows you to be more compassionate, mm-hmm. allows you to be uh, more merciful, yet you come across as an asshole sometimes. <laughs> uh, yes, that's true. That's very true. O- online oh, uh, sure. and uh, through your show. Uh, and it's, it's generally labeled as snark. Sure. So let's talk about that. So. Yep. Snarky radio. Yeah. Why, why do you get to be so snarky, Stuart? I, I, to, to be honest, I, I feel like the reason that uh, you have to learn to be able to laugh at things. You have to learn to be able to mock things to survive. I mean, I, I think at one point it was, it was like a survival mechanism. You know, mm-hmm. I think that like, I, I, I was like the weird kid growing up, but eventually when, once I realized that I, I could be funny and or have an acid tongue when I needed it to. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a defense mechanism. Um, okay. And for me, it, it comes to, I, I've been in enough situations where I've, I've known what it's like to be bullied. And, mm-hmm. and I also know what it's like to care for the underdog. 
And especially with stuff within the Christian crazy, I feel like I've got full license to rip a hole in these guys because what they're doing, in my heart, what they're doing is so damaging. It's mm. damaging just to people on so many levels. One, it's like just, it's, it's, they're taking people's money, they're lying to them, and they're telling them that God is behind all of this. So to me, that pisses me off. So mm. I, I don't know if that's a righteous snark or if it's a righteous anger for that, but it makes me angry that people are, are doing this kind of stuff. So for me, I'm like, I'm just telling the truth. I'm being a truth teller here. And it and sometimes being snarky makes it a little bit more palatable instead of just me having a, a, a ton of just, uh, I don't know. And so I, I've learned to be able to mock that and to make fun of it um, because I also think we need to learn to laugh at it too. Yeah, I, I agree. I also think in my perception, we have so much noise right? Mm -hmm. uh, in Christianity. And so you have to create your own noise to keep some people from going off the cliff, mm. right? Like on some level, you're the warning sign. Yeah. And if, and your snark is the lights, the, the neon lights and the lettering and the big ask, Hey, this is going wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has to be that loud. And it has to be that, that directed and snarky so people will hear it. And, and right. I don't, and, and for the people that it would piss off, I don't yeah. care. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just don't, I, I've, I've learned to not care about that because I feel like there is, there is a crowd that I want to realize, people to realize it, that all the stuff that people have been through and all the crap that they put up with and all the damage and the toxicity and, and all the PTSD people have gotten for being in our church. I've been there. <laughs> I've been at therapy. I'm on stuff because of this as well. And I want people to realize that they're not crazy, that they're not, like the things they see, you're not crazy. And I think sometimes it's okay to call out stuff, to be able to say, this is just nuts. This is so far off the reservation. And, and I know I've made a lot of people angry about it. And a lot of times my answer at the end of the day is good. Um, I mean, and, you know, and, and when you do stuff like this, you also start to figure out who's actually your friends and who's not. And right. at that point, then I'm just kind of like, oh, now it's really fun. So you can twist a little bit. I don't know. And sometimes maybe I go too far and sometimes maybe I don't go far enough, but it depends on probably uh, how many beers. Probably. <laughs> so, so another question from the intern. Yes. Uh, so he's listened to, I don't know how many episodes oh, over the span of time. Okay. And <laughs> Will he, I pay for his therapy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Only so, partial. So he wants to know what, oh, yeah. what was the trigger to become even more snarky. Like he's heard 2016 Stuart Deloney and he's heard 2021 Stuart Deloney and they very different. Like even your radio voices change. Oh, okay. So um, <laughs> I, I had to, honestly, I had to get to a point where I, I quit caring. Okay. Where, where, where I quit. Like I, I grew up in a very, and I, I grew up around people that were very critical. And, and in a situation to where I was always like worried what to say, what to speak. And, and I've been raised around churches. So you were taught how to be a chameleon or be very political on how you talk and be very careful and all of this stuff. Um, I, but I've always, like I said earlier, but I've always had a BS meter and, and I've always gotten mad and I don't like to, I don't like to fake it. I don't like to do that. And especially when God's involved, faking it even, I don't It's one thing to fake it. Like if you're at like a, I don't know, like a corporate event and everyone's smiling and shaking hands. It's another thing to fake it and try to say God's behind it. Uh, that, that's where I start to feel icky. Uh, that's where I start to feel gross. And, and I don't know if it's just that I've, I've, yeah, I just, 
I quit caring about offending people because I knew that there were people that needed to hear it. Um, okay, so I'm going to get the last three questions I have for you mm -hmm. are questions that you kind of ask, because mm -hmm. I think I think we need this in our lives. Uh, where do you see this going? Like, what's what's the point? What are we doing? I mean, you do a whole lot more than snarky faith. Like, I'm I'm in a group of mm -hmm. some of us have been pastors. We're deconstructing. We're wrestling through things. Like, I'm going to use Christianese a little bit. I yeah. apologize. That's I know fine. it's not supposed to. But, like, that's one of your ministries is helping people sure deconstructing connecting them with deconstructing uh resources so you do that but what what is the big goal of your your mission your ministry what are, what are you doing with your damn life man that's a funny question um one of the things i also had to let go of i think that that was that was in, that was ingrained in me in ministry early on was this idea of success and mm -hmm. was this idea of making a name for myself and being a thing and i think too often we've gotten caught up whether it's you know the, the cult of Christian celebrity or all this other stuff. I, I, I've learned to not care about that either. Um, one thing we'd had, I mentioned this a little bit uh, a couple weeks back, we had a sponsor on the show and I, mm -hmm. and I actually told them I was good after we did like our, our first two months with them. I was like, nothing wrong, but it felt too corporate to me. Um, you know, being able to have that in there. And I was just, I said, I, we love, and I love, they're great sponsors. They're the platform's great. I have no issue with them whatsoever for me personally. Um, one of the things I've, I've tried to do in ministry is to get away from money, um, is to get away from this being about money. Um, and this show, I'm not going to ask people for money. Um, I do it uh, because I want to. I do it. I don't make any money off it. You know, we will, I'll probably throw out some T-shirts here and there to probably mm -hmm. just pay for the website and stuff eventually. But I pay for all this out of my own pocket. I, I, don't, I don't ask for anything. Uh, because I feel like the gospel is free. I feel like the words of Jesus are free. I feel like all of that's free. I mean, I, I teach. I, I tent make. I've learned that. For me, that works in my own system of ethics of what I've been through. I, I being a tent maker, which is again, you're right, Christianese, a having a side hustle or having a main hustle, there you your go. other hustle. That's I for me has been very freeing because I money doesn't have to be involved. And so much I complain about within the Christian crazy folks is that money, 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 money. Um, where's it going? I have no idea. I mean, I feel like that it's the same thing. It's it's I'd heard someone recently talk about deconstruction. <laughs> In, in a term I kind of like, but don't love it, but it was the idea like that deconstruction is kind of like going to grad school or going to like your PhD. You're, you're stepping to a different area where things look different. And I'm still deconstructing and reprocessing and, and trying to figure out where my faith sticks in my own life, trying to help my kids do it a bit too, which is also challenging as well. Um, and especially when I try to just be very honest with them about everything. Um, I don't know where snarky faith is going. I, I think that like mine, someone had said once in one of our reviews was like, this is great, but what's going to happen when Trump's not in office? Uh, and, and, and I was like, I'd, I still pretty much am sure there's going to be tons of hypocrisy still. And lo and behold, we've got plenty. Um, I, I would just rather be something that, yeah, continues just to call people like, just, you know, forget all this other BS. Look back to like, just look at the Jesus, like in scripture. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that one. Like there's just a bunch of other stuff. Uh, where is it going to go? I don't know. Like I, my wife and I, we've been missionaries. We've learned how to live on next to nothing most of our life. And uh, I probably don't ever see myself retiring. You know, I, I just kind of, Miriam and I just see ourselves just continuing to do work in the community and doing good stuff because I don't know, God told us to do it. And so I, I think, I think doing mission without having an agenda or even a purpose or even 
I know it sounds weird, like it almost sounds directionless, um, but it's almost in a certain sense of just like we're moving with where we're at and continuing to evolve as we go. So I don't feel like it's that directionless. I'm just saying I'm not exactly sure, and we'll see. It'll evolve. So what's giving you hope and what's pissing you off? <laughs> That's my question. Damn it. Um, no, I no, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I'll start with, well, well, um, I, I feel like what's pissing me off right now, especially, and, and this, is, this is not a uniquely American thing, um, and this isn't a uniquely partisan thing. I, I just, I feel like that we don't think anymore for ourselves. Like, I don't think we evaluate. I think information comes to us so fast that we have just learned to be ideologically lazy and just listen to the person that we think we trust, like that head or whoever that person is, and go with that. Like we're, and again, I feel like the church has had been a problem of that. Pastors pre-digest messages for you. Okay, I believe this and move on. Like I, but I'm not, I'm not wrestling. Um, and I feel like either politically or otherwise, I feel like we're not wrestling well. Um, and I think that we, we're in a false place. To, ah, call me out on this one. Call me out on this. Tell me if I'm being arrogant. I feel like we're at a false place in the world where we're assuming that there's two equal sides to what's happening right now and the polarity of our country. Yeah. And, and it feels right now, I, I don't think it's that, I don't think both sides are, are equal at this moment. I feel like that there, there's a, I mean, and, and again, I know on both sides, there's on each side, there's probably on the extremes, there's crazies on both. And you disregard that. But it does feel like on the right, it does feel like there's still a lot of crazies in the main spot. That, that whether it be through religious have forgotten how to love, forgotten how to have compassion, they, they, they've forgotten how to listen and be taught. They don't hear God anymore. And so I feel like, I think it pisses me off that we, we treat it like it's, it's an equal spectrum. And I don't think it is now. I think that there's people that need to be brought back. Mm -hmm. I think that there needs to be doors brought back into, especially for the QAnon people and all that kind of stuff. But I think at the same time, you also have to say, that is batshit crazy. And I'm not going to say that you have an equal platform as me. It's just nuts. Um, right. well, and, and, yeah. and they're, they're buying in even more. They're drilling down even Double more, down. right? Yep. Like, yep. like I thought we were at the pinnacle of that shit crazy <laughs> and like people are doubling down on it. And you, you know, like I, it, it may not be as many people doubling down. Like yeah. we've, we've won some like, Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe this is going a little too far, but no, they're still going even beyond that shit crazy. And I don't know what what we label beyond that, but it's there. So no, I, I agree. Uh, I, I, what, yeah. what scares me though, is that I, I, I couldn't fathom at all that the election number wise was going to be that close. Yeah. Right. Like, so that, that does tell me like crazy does still have a really good platform. Uh, yeah, so that that yeah, that pisses me off does not give me hope. Um yeah. <laughs> hope is I mean, I, I do have hope. I do have a, I do have a lot of hope because I'm I'm like a hopeful cynic. And that's that's yeah. that I, I I which I think is partially just my own self-torture that I <laughs> I can be like yeah. a hopeful dreamer at the same time, but also just be the worst cynic. Um I even even being in like you'd mentioned this earlier, we're we're in a guy's uh it's not even meant to be a guy's group. It was just it was literally a book group that happened just to be a bunch of guys. Um mm -hmm. Walking through people's process of, of, of deconstructing is, gives me hope. Mm -hmm. um, it gives me hope of my own because it kind of informs me as I'm, as I'm walking through stuff with people. 
um, seeing that others are struggling with stuff but still wanting to remain faithful, that, that, that gives me hope. Um, and in a weird way that what I've learned to do in, in, during the pandemic for mental health is just gardening and beekeeping and those, the nature, nature gives me hope. Um, that yeah. one way or another, even if we're <laughs> if climate change happens and we're dead and gone, nature's going to continue. Mm-hmm. It's, that's not the most hopeful answer. To, but yes, fine. People, people in nature, those give me lots of hope. Sorry, I, the cynic slid back in there for a second. Yeah, yeah. Like what? What though? What? In the sense of great people are deconstructing and getting out of insanity Christianity. But what's What's good about that? Because I I live in attention. I look at some people deconstructing, and I'm like, oh, they've become no good, right? Like they've not reconstructed. And you, you, there's there's like, there's like there's a burn the house down mentality, and it, mm-hmm. and then walk away. You're right. That's and, uh, I yeah. I think I think proper deconstructing is being able to to see. That's, I don't mean to sound elitist because I know some people some people need to burn it and walk away before they reconstruct and need a season. They need like you know. I mean again. There's it's within nature. There's there are seasons where you will burn the fields because it's healthy um, for mm-hmm. that process. Um, yeah, I I wanting to be able to <laughs> I, I want to burn a little bit and build a little bit kind of in what we're doing to give people hope that like, yeah, yeah, you guys are right. You think this is crazy. Great. Yes. It's terrible. It's wrong. Yes. But there's more. And it's and, it, and it's and it's more interesting if you want it, if you want it mm-hmm. like uh, it's not hollow and easy like it was before, but it's there and it's. I, I, I get hope on like the, the, like the, I feel like there's travelers I meet along the way on these paths outside of, out in the wilderness. And, and mm-hmm. I love those times where I'm able to cross paths with people. And sometimes it's for a little while, sometimes it's longer. And this radio show gives me hope because it connects me with all sorts of randos out there that I've, I've done. Like that was part of the group that we're in. I literally on social media was like, I want to go through this book. Who wants in on it? I asked anybody. I wasn't even like asking special. And this was just a bunch of people like, sure. And mm-hmm. so that gives me hope. It gives me hope that there's people that still want to grow. And, and, and there's people in that group that, that challenge me too in good ways. I mean, I, I, I appreciate differences of opinions. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I love that group because I, I think it actually does form some community, right? We've talked yeah. about mental health issues. We've <laughs> talked about, I mean, you guys have, we're at the end part of my divorce and have seen me get married. Like, like we, we really do connect and yeah, it's, I think it's been really good. And and the group does give me hope because they're still, while they still might not even buy into the institution or even all the ideas of Christianity, mm-hmm. they're striving to still do good in the world. Yeah. Right. And that's, for faith, me, that's and, and faithfully look at scripture in a different way to be like, oh, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, good deal. Good deal. Well, I think that's I did, what I have Did, for did I pass? Did I pass the test? Did I do this? Did I arrive? Well, well, the question is, is did I pass the test? In no, Justin, this is amazing. This is amazing, Justin. I really, really appreciate you doing this because I, I, it was one of the things that I, I, want, I wanted someone that I knew that, uh, that I knew would also push back on me um, for this because like what I, I don't know I, I'm an odd person and I think one of the, even though I talk all the time on radio show one of the least favorite topics I have to talk about is me because um, I just find myself boring and I think other people are more interesting and I would rather listen to other people's stories um, and so I wanted someone that would challenge me and force me to talk a little about stuff too so I appreciate man thank you thank you for your time no problem I love I love spending time with you 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 help fill my cup so yeah that's the good stuff
Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for doing this with me today. Yep. No problem. Awesome. So again, much thanks to Justin for doing this. I hope you guys enjoyed this last hour. If this made you have any questions, hey, send them to me. Questions at snarkyfaith.com. But as we end this broadcast, just a reminder, you can catch us on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com or wherever there are podcasts. And as I do every week, I send you out into this wide, wild world with the holiest amount of grace and peace and snark. I pray that you have the boldness to live out your story well, and I will catch you guys again next week. I'm out of here. Peace! Peace!